0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Well, good evening, church. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. It's a beautiful night out. It was a beautiful weekend and a little bit of extra wind blowing today. But uh, had a great weekend away with my wife, too. We celebrated our 13-year anniversary so 13 years and she says she still likes me a little bit so i guess and i'm excited stoked to dive into the word with you if you're new with us and i've never met you brandon introduced me i'm joe one of the leaders here and uh we're going to dive into uh, our study of the gospel of luke again we're going to be in luke chapter 11 verses 27 through 36 and as you turn there <clears throat> i just want to share that uh, one of the things that we like to say as a church family is that we want to be a gospel-centered church family that grows disciples who glorify God. And then we begin to ask the question, what does it look like to be disciples who actually glorify God? And so we have a very simple statement that you'll see on one of our banners around here. You'll see it on our printed material and other places. And you, you hear us say it all the time and the reason for that is is because we want to make sure that as a church family we kind of get the concept of clarity and where we're actually headed so what does it look like for us to be disciples who do glorify God we would say that we want to be disciples who glorify God by following Jesus faithfully leading our families sacrificially making disciples who make disciples equipping spirit empowered missionaries and planting more gospel centered churches So all that to simply say is that we we believe that that is a, uh, this calling to be a church that grows disciples uh, who glorify God, who follow Jesus faithfully, lead families sacrificially, make disciples who make disciples, empower spirit-filled missionaries, and plant more gospel-centered churches. We believe this whole calling is much bigger and much greater than anything that any of us in this room, collectively or individually, could manufacture in our own strength. Okay, so we say that because we, 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 want, we, we want to put clarity and definition to what it actually looks like as we pursue Christ and as he leads us and plants us as a church, what it will really look like to be a church that grows disciples who glorify God. So we could simply say when, when people in our congregation begin to follow Jesus faithfully and consistently with their whole entire lives. When, when people in our church family begin to lead their families sacrificially, which means to deny yourself and pick up your cross and walk with it, when people begin to do those things, when we begin to see disciples who make disciples, in other words, when, when, when all of us that are collectively in this room begin to disciple one another and lead one another in terms of what it means to, to live like Christ, When that happens, when we begin to empower missionaries, train up missionaries, and send them out into different places of our local culture as well as around the world, when we begin to invest that, we begin to be able to put a mark of ownership on some of that happening, when we begin to plant another church out of this church, then we would say that we are continuing to grow in what it means to make disciples who glorify God. Those are the kind of disciples that we want to make. And so we say that intentionally. I share that with you because I want that to kind of lead us into the preaching of God's word today. Many people would then ask, okay, now you've defined all these things, then how do you do this? Well, one of the major ways that we seek to make disciples who glorify God is through the study and the preaching of God's word. And so Luke, chapter 11, verses 27 through 36, follow along with me. As he said these things a woman in the crowd, raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand. So that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. When it is bad body is full of darkness, therefore be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Let me pray before I preach. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the presence of your spirit and we thank you for the work of your son that was done at the cross. We thank you for the plan that you put together before the foundations of the world, before time even had a moment to even think about existing, before any of us came into existence. Lord, you, you thought it best to make a plan, to make a plan so that we could be created in your image and then be redeemed by the work of the cross, the message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, which, which reminds us that though there is a ton of bad news, a ton of mess in this world, that, that in light of all that, the good news is that your son came and died on a cross a perfect ransom and a, and a perfect substitute for us so that, so that we might be bought back into the kingdom of light and so that we might be called the sons and the daughters of God rather than the enemies of God, Lord Thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for the imminent return of Christ who, who we know has, has ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of you, our Father. and We thank you that Jesus will at one point come back on a big white horse with clothes drenched in blood with a sword coming out of his mouth and lightning bolts coming out of his eyes. And we thank you that when he comes back, he will come back to redeem once and for all saints who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Oh, we just thank you for that message. It is what, what, what draws us here. It is what gathers us in this room. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful to you, our Father who has been so generous and merciful and gracious and loving towards us. That you have given us that message. That you have given us your one and only Son. We truly are blessed and in fact that's what we're going to talk about Lord and you know that and so I just last Lord that that you would be in this room and and I just believe that you already are but but Father I pray that you would be uh, that you would have unrestricted access to our hearts and our minds and in this place and space and Lord I pray that you would protect our time together and that you would open us to what you would say through the word about what it means to be a people who are blessed by God. God, I pray those things. I pray, God, that you would take the meditations of my heart as I've studied this text throughout the week. And I pray, Lord, that you would take the words of my mouth and that you would use them to to, to grow your people here and to bring you much honor and glory. And in reality, Lord, I just ask that you would speak in this place and this time. So I pray those things. Trust you to do them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. So what does it mean to be blessed? If I were to ask you that question, if you were to think about it, if somebody were to ask you what does it mean to be blessed, you might have many different things that might come to mind. In fact, in our culture today, we have many different ways in which we define what it means to be blessed. and According to the worldview around us, according to the world that we have grown up in and that we exist in, there are many different ways of defining what it means to be blessed. Oftentimes we would say if we come from a good family, we're blessed. Get a good job that pays anywhere between 42K and 52K a year, we're blessed. We own one or two good running vehicles, we're blessed. We might say if we have a house in the suburbs, we're blessed. Get married to a sexy spouse, we might say we're blessed. We say we have 1.5 well-behaved kids who knock out of the park academically and athletically, we might say we're blessed. I don't know about the 1.5 part, but that's got something to do with being blessed. We might say that if we own one or two toys, like a bike or a boat, a couple of guns, and we're blessed. The question is, is that the biblical definition of what it means to be blessed? In this passage, this is what Jesus teaches us. It's the biblical definition of what it means to be blessed. He teaches us that we can either be evil people who are always looking for more signs, always standing there going, God, when are you going to show up and prove to me that you are real? God, when are you going to show up and prove to me that you love me? God, when are you going to show up? God, da-da-da-da-da. We can either be evil people who are always looking for more signs from God, whereby we then reject Jesus and the gospel that he preaches, we refuse to repent and believe, therefore we live in the condemnation of the darkness of sin, or or we can be truly blessed people who hear and do the word of God. Continue repenting of our wickedness, be filled with the light of Christ. This is what it means to be blessed. We are either evil people looking for more signs or we are wise people who are blessed in the hearing and the doing of the word of God. We are either people living in the darkness of sin or we are people living in the light of the gospel. We're either, either or. There's no in between. There's no gray spaces or places in the scriptures on this topic. How will we know though? How will we know if we are in fact blessed people? How will we in the midst of a culture that seems to scream, More, 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 more stuff will make you happier, more blessed. How will we in the midst of a culture know when we are are living the life of a blessed person in Christ? The answer seems somewhat simple from our text. The answer is this. We are blessed if we hear and do the word of God. We are blessed if we hear and do the word of God. In our study Through Luke's gospel so far as we've studied through this, we've witnessed Jesus' teaching regarding what it means to be a people of prayer who pray vertically and then horizontally and persistently. We've observed him laying the smack down last week on a dude who was possessed with a demon. Actually, he laid the smack down on the demon, not the dude himself, just to keep that straight. The demon had caused this man to become mute, and Jesus walks in and lays it down and shows this amazing show of his Power And what happens is it elicits a response from the people around him. And and some people that are gathered around Jesus in this time are in complete awe of Jesus and the power that he brings with him when he walks into a circumstance or into the room, you might say. Some people are in awe of him, which is the response we should have when Jesus walks into the room of our lives. But there are others in the room in the story we studied last week where there are others who are very antagonistic towards him and they're calling his ministry a ministry of Satan. Still there are others who are skeptical of him. They're skeptical of where he's come from and what he's doing. And they're, they're waiting for bigger and better things from Jesus before they will submit to him. This is what's happening in the text previous that we studied last week. And so we can certainly see from, from the text that we've been studying in the Gospel of Luke That, from a big old standpoint, a biblical standpoint, we would be blessed if we understood and engaged in the practice of prayer. We can also certainly see that, biblically speaking, we'd be blessed if Jesus, in all of his grand power and strength, would just show up in the room, broke down barriers of demonic oppression and antagonistic attitudes and skeptical unbelief and intellectual opposition self-protective defense mechanisms. If Jesus shows up in the room in all of his power and just breaks through those things, we would say, man, we are a blessed people when Jesus does those things. but in this section of scripture, we learn something else about what it means to be blessed according to verses 27 to 36. Notice in verse 27 that there's a woman who has been listening to Jesus this whole time. She's been observing him, watching him and seeing what's been taking place in Jesus' ministry. And she's been listening intently to him, and she just can't help herself but to exclaim, "Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nurse." What, what an interesting proclamation in the middle of Jesus doing what Jesus does." It's an interesting proclamation. And no doubt this woman was like super impressed with Jesus. And maybe to some extent she was right that that Jesus' mother Mary was blessed. She was very blessed. Indeed, to have been the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And to have given birth to him and to have nursed him and nourished him into adulthood. This would have been a very blessed thing to do. But the reality is that what Jesus does kind of catches this. And he says, yeah, true. But the reality is that, that Jesus... Mary was blessed not because of the fact that she gave birth to Jesus necessarily or the fact that she nursed him, but you'll notice, verse 28, Jesus says she was able to hear the word of God and keep it. So Jesus doesn't necessarily disagree with the fact that his mother was a blessed woman, and even Mary exclaimed this at times in the Gospels. What Jesus does is says, and my mother, she's blessed because she hears the word of God Does it? So the thing we learn from this is that we can know for sure that if we hear the word of God and we hear God speak through his word and and through the community of God's people and through the spirit of God, when we hear God speak, we'll be blessed to hear it and then do it. It brings to mind the text from James. For those of you that are in our gospel communities, we met this week in gospel community and we asked the question, you remember a passage of scripture that you heard from God that then motivated you to do, motivated you to act, motivated you to live. This is the entire message of, of the book of James, James being Jesus' brother. It's almost as though when James says what he says in, in all throughout his his letter, it's almost as though he's echoing what Jesus is teaching in this text right here. It's just a further explanation or expansion of what Jesus began to say here. And you're blessed if you hear the Word of God and do it. It's a great question. It's a great question for us to ask, though like, how do we do the Word of God? How do we hear and do? What, is it, what does it look like? Because there are, there are many people who can quote a passage of Scripture today, there are many. I see people that post passages of scripture all over their Facebook, but then, then in their lives they don't actually live it out. So, so we have this weird obsession with trying to take on the, the look and the feel of being someone who knows and understands scripture, but the reality is we need to be people who do it. We need to be people who live it out. What James says is you can tell me all day long about your faith, but if you don't show it to me, I would call faulty on your faith. Like, your, your faith is dead and worthless if the actions of your life don't back it up. What James is saying all the way throughout James is that faith works. Faith is works in action. In other words, if we don't work to get love from God, but because God has loved us, we are then motivated by the gospel, through the gospel, to change and act in the way that we Say we live. So it's it's a not mere lip service only. It's a life that proves it. And, and don't hear me wrong. This, I'm not trying to preach legalism in terms of a checklist of do's and don'ts. But what I am saying is that in America, especially and in the church at large, we have an epidemic of people that say because I sat in a church or because I was part of a small group or because I knew this person or that or because I read this version of the Bible or because I went degree, somehow now my life is clean before God. And the reality is the only thing that makes you clean before God is Christ's broken body and shed blood at the cross. That's what ch- saves you from that point. Therefore, it changes you so that you can now live according to the words of your mouth. So we are blessed people if we hear and do the word of God. But what does it look like tangibly? How, how can you measure in your life if... The Holy Spirit of God is at work in you and is therefore giving you the empowerment and the motivation to hear and do the Word. Well, number one, hearing and doing the Word of God means this. It means gathering around the person and work of Jesus. That's number one. Hearing and doing the Word of God means gathering around the person and the work of Jesus. And I love Jesus Non seeker friendly way of addressing these increasing crowds, right? It seems to fly in the face. I mean, the way that Jesus uh, addresses the people that have gathered around him seems to fly in the face of everything, anything that is practical or pragmatic. This practical and pragmatic get her done if it works type of um, ministry strategy that we see all over today in the church. We see this consumer-driven, tickle the ears, don't ruffle the feathers, attractional ministry strategy in the Western church. And the thing is that Jesus in this text, instead of playing into the desires of the increasing crowd, Jesus actually drops this huge bomb right into the middle of the conversation. And he says in verse 29, look at verse 29, this generation is an evil generation. How about that? Like if I just step up here on Sunday night and be like, hey, you guys are a bunch of evil people. But you guys aren't laughing right now, are you? I'm not gonna step up here and just say that. This was Jesus's, Approach. Okay, I'm glad you guys have gathered. You're a wicked and evil generation. Right? This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. In other words, you're not hearing the Word of God and doing it just because you've all gathered here in a big crowd looking for some fantastic sign. And in fact, Jesus moves on and he basically says, man, if you're looking for a sign, then the sign of Jonah, who was like a dead person in the belly of a whale for three days, will pale in comparison with the sign of the cross and the empty tomb. But don't hear me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Don't, I don't feel beat up. Okay? Gathering in groups to, to witness the work of Jesus, the miraculous work of Jesus through the message of the gospel is great. It's perfect. And it's needed if it fans and fuels our desires to hear more of God's word and do more of God's word. If it fans and fuels our desire to hear more of God's word and live obediently to it. And if we are only gathered for the mere experience of seeing some miracles, connecting relationally with other people or engaging some sort of like self-help Therapy in small groups somewhere, then we might as well all sit at home, comfort of our own couch, watch magicians levitate on TV, do card tricks, flip back and forth watching Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil. I mean, this would be a much more comfortable space to do that from. We could even eat candy and drink soda while doing it, or coffee. Listen, hearing and doing the Word of God doesn't mean. Standing around and looking for more signs. Even verse 30 in Luke's gospel makes this clear. Jesus says, For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Just as people gathering to hear from the great prophet Jonah was a sign from God, To an evil generation, so too Jesus is that same sign to this generation in the text. And I would argue him further, a sign to us as well. In other words, the sign is not in the gathering of the people. The sign is not in the gathering of the people itself, but in the person and the work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of that group of people. Sign we gather around is the salvific or saving work of Jesus. The salvific or saving work of the cross, the empty tomb, the ascension, and the imminent return of Christ for those who have trusted Him. Hearing and doing the Word of God means gathering around the person and the work of Jesus. And number two, number two, hearing and doing the Word of God means. But it must cost us something. Hearing and doing the word of God must be costly for us. And if the illustration of Jonah in this text wasn't enough for people to grasp what it means to be people who hear God's word and do it, then Jesus uses this second illustrative story to drive home the importance of understanding what he's saying. And this second illustration is just as gritty as the first one, just as tough to hear as the first one, especially for the original audience that Jesus was talking to. And the reason is because he uses a woman in verse 31. It's the thing I love about Luke's Gospel. Luke, out of every other Gospel author in the New Testament, uses women more often to make his point than any other author. Which is fantastic, because the Scriptures teach that God created man and women. In his image, he created them, man and woman. Meaning that in man and in woman, we see unique uh, imaging of who God is. And when we uh, uh, try to cheapen one person over the other, we we then lose an aspect of the image of God that is meant for us. For instance, my wife is much more nourishing than I am, you can probably tell. (laughs) But I'm a straight shooter. And so the two of us really kind of balance each other out. And, and to some extent, there's an image of who God is in our relationship, in our marriage, and in our distinctive roles as man and woman. And so Luke keys into this in the text, and, and he, he remembers, too, that Jesus used this. So he keyed in, right? He says this. He says this is the woman, the, the queen of the south verse 31, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So Jesus is just retelling this story from Israel's history once again. Just like his references to Jonah. He does this to clarify what he means in regards to hearing and doing the word of God. And when when he does this, he clarifies that not only does hearing and doing the word of God mean going to the ends of the earth, sacrificially, but it also means that that when people are despised and rejected, that they too can hear and do God's word. In other words, hearing and doing God's word means that it must cost us something. Even if we are marginalized and despised people, we can afford what it costs because Jesus already paid the price. Listen, just as a sidebar to all of this, as we talk about what it means to hear and do the word of God, there should be one thing that I want to hover in your brain the entire time. And I really want it to affect your hearts and where you're at. The desires of your life that are always bubbling up and welling up in the way that you actually live. And that, that one thing should be this. That as you think about this hearing and doing of God's word, remember and understand and memorize that all of the hearing and doing on your end doesn't win you anything. Jesus already did it perfectly. And because Jesus heard and did the word perfectly, you are now enabled to respond to him by hearing and doing the word. Though imperfectly, still covered in Christ and cleaning to the cross and his work that was done perfectly for imperfect you and I. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we get to just be passive and like kick everything to the curb. And be like, well, I can't do that. Jesus did it, so I can go on living however I want to live. That's not the answer either. The answer here is that as we seek to hear and do what God's word says We must remember that it's going to cost us something. It's going to be costly. It costed our Father in heaven the life of his son Jesus. It costed Jesus his life, and he was perfect. He had done this perfectly. And though he had done it perfectly and lived perfectly, he gave his life for you and I. Therefore, it should cost us something. It's this picture of denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and walking with it in the same way that Jesus did for you and I. And what Jesus calls us to and asks us to in scriptures is nothing that he hasn't already been there and done. And also nothing that isn't gonna cause us to cling to him more. If you could do this in your own strength, he wouldn't ask you to do it. So, As God encourages us to be blessed people by the hearing and the doing of his word, it is only done as we cling to the cross of Christ, but it must cost us something. Listen, women in Jewish culture, in this text, right, he's using a woman as an illustration, women in Jewish culture were typically not allowed to stand in court and give testimony against other people. This, this was typically reserved for men. And not only that, but the queen of the south was a Gentile woman. So, so when Jesus uses this woman as an example, I believe he's being very, very intentional, saying This woman who was both a woman and a Gentile came from the ends of the earth and was willing to spend whatever it took. And as a Gentile woman was like an outcast in Jewish society, yet she was willing to give whatever it takes to hear and do the word of God. And my my question for us would be this, are, are we that kind of people? Are we that kind of people who don't have excuses, don't play the blame game, don't run around our little defensive postures and modes. Are we the kind of people who are saying, you know what? This is what God's word says, therefore I'm willing to do it. Are we willing to be that kind of people? Are we willing to let it cost us something so that we can serve our God who has served us in such miraculous and sacrificial ways? So this woman... Not only did she travel all the way to the ends of the earth, let it cost her something. But as she came, man, she like like, heard every word from the lips of Solomon. And at some point she'll stand and give testimony as judgment against the men of that evil generation whom Jesus is speaking to. Furthermore, just in case anyone misses it, in case you miss this part. Though Jonah is a great sign, and though this woman is a pretty great sign too, and though Solomon was a great sign, like a great, wise Preacher, Jesus doesn't want us to miss this fact that He, Jesus Christ, is both the greatest sign and the greatest preacher that any of us will ever need. He says it in the end of verse thirty-one: "And behold, something greater than Solomon is here." In other words, we must be willing to go the distance to hear and obey the word of God, regardless of the cost. Because Jesus is the greatest sign that we could ever see. There is no other sign that will rock your world like the picture of a sinless person on a cross dying, broken, and bloodied for you long before you had the opportunity to be his enemy. He did this for you. And he had your picture in his pocket. And the next time that you get frustrated with someone and want to dropkick someone in the knee because they frustrated you, and though you know you're supposed to be patient and loving towards others, you know what the picture is that you should have in front of you should be a picture of Jesus on that cross with your picture in his pocket, even though you weren't born yet to be his enemy. That would help to motivate you and I to hear and to do the word of God. It's a picture of Jesus. must be willing to go the distance and hear and obey the word of God regardless of the cost because Jesus is the greatest sign we could ever see. He's the greatest preacher we could ever hear. Therefore, though we may be marginalized, though we may be despised, though we may be at the bottom of the totem pole if we seek to hear and do the word of God by spending ourselves without limit by saying, I've got a debit card, it's got Jesus' face on it, and there's no limits to the ways that I can spend myself in hearing and doing what he's asked me to hear and do. If we would spend ourselves that way, if that's the type of bank account we saw that we had with Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, that we proclaim with our lips, we would then live it with our lifestyles. If that was the Jesus that we spoke of, We would live without limits for him. We would be a blessed people. Our prayer is that we would become this kind of people. A people who hear and do the word of God by going the distance and giving whatever it takes regardless of the cost. Number three. Number three, hearing and doing the word of God means living repentant lives. Write that down somewhere. Etch it in your memory. Hearing and doing the word of God means living repentant. Repentant lives. Man, Jesus, Jesus, what he's doing is he's further building on this concept of what it means to be a blessed people who hear and do the word. Verse 32, he says, "And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And point being, Jesus is really picking a fight with this crowd of people, isn't he? He's like, hey guys, Jonah preached to this crowd of people who had the reputation for beating preachers to a bloody pulp, right? Jonah preaches to that crowd of people and they repent. And I'm standing here in front of you, the son of man, Jesus standing right here, preaching, and they're questioning him and looking for more of a sign. See, here's the deal. Like, if you and I could really catch a picture of our bloodied, massacred, murdered for no good reason, Savior, if we could catch that picture of Jesus, it's all the sign that you and I would need to say, I want to hear and do what he's asked me to hear and do. Listen, there's something something greater or more blessed than to have given birth. Something greater or more blessed than to have nourished someone into adulthood. Even giving birth to and nourishing the Savior. There's, there's something greater or more blessed than being a woman who has traveled across the earth to hear a wise man preach. There's things that are more blessed and greater than being a wise preacher. There's even something greater or more blessed than being a famous prophet like Jonah, who at first ran from God's calling on his life only to get swallowed by a big fat whale, to then get puked up on a beach, to then go preach a message to the people that he was absolutely afraid of, to then see them repent. There's even something more greater than that, and that something more greater and more blessed is Jesus. There's something more greater and more blessed than all of our plans to get great jobs, marry the perfect person, have good running vehicles, move out to the suburbs, establish good families, raising awesome kids, collecting a few toys. That something greater and more blessed is Jesus himself. It's Jesus. And that, that revelation, when, when you and I catch a picture of the revelation of the blessing of Jesus, it's got to cause repentance in our lives. It's got to cause repentance in our lives. It means that when you and I hear the preaching of the Word of God, we must become cut to the core by our evilness and our wickedness. And simultaneously, God's goodness and God's grandeur and God's glory and God's grace and God's Mercifulness, when you see the two in tension, our wickedness, our evilness, our sinfulness, in light of God's goodness and faithfulness, our response at that point must be to turn from our wicked and deceitful, self-expressive lifestyles and believe in the person and work of Jesus to save us and change us and empower us to continue living as blessed people who who are hearing and doing the word of God by living out repentance daily as God then expresses himself through us. A prayer is that we would become a people who hear and do the word of God by living repentant lives. Number four. Number four, hearing and doing the word of God means being filled with Christ. And Jesus moves on in his sermon on what it means to be blessed people who hear and do the word of God in verse 33 when he says this. It says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. In other words, no one is blessed who puts Christ in the basement, right? No one is gonna be blessed by packing Jesus away in the box in the attic. No one's gonna get blessed by doing these things. We are, we are actually truly blessed People who are growing in our ability to hear and do the word of God. If we, in fact, put Jesus on display in our lives. for Everyone around us to see the handiwork of God through the message of the gospel. As Jesus builds on this point in, in verse 34, he says, he basically says that we are people who are hearing and doing the word of God. And we are being filled with Christ. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. When it is bad, your body is full of darkness. In other words, being filled with Christ is like a room being filled with amazing light. Or like a person who has perfect eyesight, who is filled with the awesome images that he or she sees. To be a people who hear and do the word of God means to be filled with the presence of the person and the work of Christ Jesus himself. To the extent that we have not shoved Jesus aside for labor. Not reserving Jesus for Sunday gatherings only, or midweek gospel communities only, or small group experiences only, or the occasional Facebook post only. Living as blessed people who hear and do the word of God by being filled with Christ means that we haven't built little boxes for Jesus time our lives. And we're, we're used to this. We're good at doing this. We're good at building little boxes of time for Jesus when the reality is that yeah, Jesus is supposed to be the butter in every box of the waffle. Right? should be filled with Christ. So Jesus wraps up this sermon as he speaks to this gathered group of people on what it means to be a blessed people who hear and do the word of God with a word of warning. As if what he said already hasn't been heavy enough, right? He wraps up with the word of warning in verses 35 to 36. and, And he says, therefore be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. And this warning from Jesus reminds me of a passage of scripture that says when the light comes into the darkness, it overtakes the darkness. For where there is light... There is no darkness. It reminds me that the darkness is only present when the lights are turned off. The only time that darkness is present is when the lights have been turned off. Jesus is that light which must be switched on in our lives continuously and continually. What Jesus is doing here is he's warning his followers. He's warning those who have gathered around him in this moment. And He's warning them. That sometimes we make the mistake of, of beginning to follow Jesus while keeping one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. This happens when we say we are following Christ and we hear the word of God and the truth of the gospel, but instead of doing what God has asked us to do in the scriptures, we make excuses, we blame others, we ignore what we've heard, and we continue in our old ways of life. Listen, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of light which is Christ has no place being married to the kingdom of darkness. We must be people who hear and do the Word of God by gathering around the person and the work of Jesus, going the distance to spend ourselves for the sake of Christ, living in daily repentance, which means to turn around and to quit doing that which we once were doing, which is actually wrong. In summary, Jesus says that blessed people hear and do the Word of God my prayer is that we would become that kind of people. We would become blessed people who hear and do the word. I want to invite our music team to come forward as we conclude our time in the scriptures. And, and as we go there, I want to conclude by asking a few questions. Someone asks you to describe what it means to be blessed, what will you say to them? If someone asks you to describe what it means to be blessed, what will you say? And where are you at today? Are you someone who is living in darkness or are you living in the light? Are you living according to your evil desires or are you living repentantly according to the wisdom of the gospel? Are you living the life of a condemned criminal in chains? Or are you living the life of a blessed son or daughter of God who has been set free by the message of the gospel? Are you blessed? That's my hope and my prayer, is that you would be blessed and that you would be blessed by the presence of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the costly sacrifice of Jesus, and that you would continue in repentance so that you would be filled with Jesus. This is what communion is for us today as we prepare to engage in communion, as we prepare to come to a table and Partake and participate in this meal. What we are doing is we are remembering together the work of Christ, the the sacrifice of Christ, the the cross of Christ, the saving power of Christ, the, the utter helplessness of ourselves. That in the light of God's love and mercy, because we could not hear or do God's work perfectly in light of all these things put together that it all meets and like finds its consummation at the cross of Christ and in that picture of Christ and in Christ alone we find everything to sustain us we find salvation we find transformation we find glorification right we find adoption we're adopted from our old family of sin and wickedness and evilness into a new family of God, which is being made perfect by the cross of Christ through the power of the Spirit of Christ because of the love of the Father. We see this picture of the cross, and I don't want to preach to dead hearts and dead ears, yet my hope sometimes is that as I preach to those who are in this room whose hearts are asleep or dead and and whose eyes are closed or blinded, my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would wake us up and that we would hear the message of the gospel freshly. And And then on one end, those of us who have trusted in Christ would say, man, I'm encouraged and motivated now to hear and do the word of God because Jesus was the word of God. I mean, John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God the word was God and through him by him for him all things were created by the word of God things are created so by the word of God life can be created in lives right now and that's my hope That's my hope is that some of you that are here that have been walking in sin and darkness and deadness and hopelessness, that some of you would hear this word of the gospel and you would say, man, I want some of what the scriptures are telling me today. I I want Jesus. He's, He's the only sign that you and I need. And the sign is this a bloody and broken person on a cross for you and for me who died then and went into this tomb and for three days, just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale, for three days, Jesus was there and then he came out by by a miraculous move, the power of the Father signifying that he has power. Jesus has power over the death Over the death, over the death that has been holding you captive. Sin brings death. The paycheck for our sin, our mess, our mistakes, our blame games, our excuse making, our abusive tendencies. Our sin-soaked people that we are. Jesus saves us through the cross. And the power of the empty tomb is the power that is available to you and I. It's called the resurrection Power. And it's, it's what we celebrate when we take communion. When we engage in it, it's not a dead uh, thing, a tradition that we do every week just because we like to eat a little bread with some juice. It's also not just a tradition that we do because every church for all of time has done that. We do this because we believe wholeheartedly in the powerful resurrection of Christ and the shed blood and the broken body of Christ for, for those who would believe. You may be here and you may be saying, I don't believe that. And we don't want you to take this meal. We don't want you to feel pressured into taking that. If you're here and you do not believe the message of the gospel, man, we're, we're grateful you're here. We're thankful you're here. We want you to know that that God is calling you to his family. He's preaching to you through the the lips of a preacher. He's preaching to you through the, the worship of a community of Christians together. He's preaching to you through the word being open. And if your heart is softening in these moments, and then maybe in this moment you become a Christian, and you're trusting in Him by faith to save you from the penalty of your sin, which is death. If that's you, then we would invite you to come and partake with, with everyone else. But if you're not, if that's not you, we don't want you to feel pressured. We don't want you to put a face on it, pretend. In fact, we really would just say, you're, you're welcome to stay right where you're at. Or, or if you need someone to pray with you, Maybe for some of you, you would say, you know what? I thought that I gave my life to Jesus a couple times because I went to a camp somewhere or I sat in a church somewhere or I heard a great message somewhere. I thought I gave it, But you know what? I didn't give my life to him. I'm giving my life to him now. If that's right now, like we're just gonna, everybody should just like clap their hands because somebody has to be in that place tonight. I'm just gonna, I believe that Jesus is saving people through the preaching of this message and his word. And what's happening when that happens is, 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 like, all hell is breaking loose in heaven, if you can just say that. It's true because what's happening is people are rejoicing. God is rejoicing in heaven. And everyone that is there with him is rejoicing. And that's what we do when people come to Christ. So I'd like to share that with you. If that's you and you're here and you say, yeah, Today's it. I'm not going to be perfect tomorrow, but I'm going to cling to Christ and progress. There will be a few of us up front as well to pray with you, speak with you about what that means, to share that with you. There also might be some of you who just have needs and need to be prayed for. We want to pray with you, so, so we're here to pray with you. So there will be two people here in the front that should be coming right now to serve communion to you. And as you take that communion, I want you to remember broken body, shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that because of his perfect life and broken body and shed blood and the empty tomb, we now can live in a way where we can say, Jesus, I want to hear you and Jesus, I want to be obedient to you. Jesus, I want to hear your word and Jesus, I want to live just like you. We can be blessed people who hear and do the word because Jesus did it for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the picture of the broken cross, the broken body on the cross, and the empty tomb. Help us to reflect on what it means to be people who hear your word and then live by doing it. Help us to be people whose faith is evidenced by our actions and are then living as actual, truly, biblically defined, blessed people because of you, Jesus pray that you, Jesus, would be the hero of the story of this church family. pray that people would gather around you. In Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Thanks for letting me preach today. I love you guys. Please stand with us as we worship. You're listening to an audio message from The Well. A gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.TheWellHastings.com